The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive. Some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. This is Ross Rameen. I really appreciate you joining us again this week uh, for another another edition um, of our client files. And uh, we are coming to you today uh, from La Quinta, California at the West Coast Symposium on Addiction. Um, this is a, um, a yearly event that goes on out here that C4 Recovery Solutions puts on. And it's where we get a variety of people from all walks of life in the addiction field from you know, you got addiction, um, you know, uh, treatment centers to sober livings, to billing companies, to marketing companies, anything that goes on in addiction, we have them here. And it's kind of like a one-stop shop for meeting people, networking with people, and really kind of getting the word out. There is a variety of uh, lectures that go on here so that if you're a clinician, um, you can get continuing education points to keep your your license active um, on a, a just a variety of subjects. So this is a three-day conference. It's really wonderful. Um, you get to see the biggest uh, guys and uh, gals in the industry getting together and just talking about solutions uh, for our industry, figuring out what's not good in the industry what's and what is good and how to make it better. So um, it's really great. And I today I have one of my friends here, um, Eric Johnston, who is a marketer in this industry. Um, he himself has been sober over tw- 20, over 22 years. Yeah. Well, well, welcome to the show. Eric. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Ross. He is, um, we've known each other now for almost five years. Yeah. Really. Um, and I see you every time at these shows and you randomly stop by our office um, at times back in L.A. And I think that's great. I know I'm on your, your good side if you're just doing the random drop by. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's always a good thing. Eric, you have been sober for 22 years. What, so how old were you when you got How old were you? When you got, how old are you now? How, I'll I'm, let people do the math. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was 26 when I got sober. Oh. And uh, I started trying to get sober when I was 21 after my first DUI. That's when the journey kind of began. You t- So at 21 years old, you're like, I got to get straight now? Or your family put a gun to your head and was like, get your shit together? Um, my family had already kind of just said, take care of yourself. Figure out how to get your life together um, when I was 18. Really? And so I moved out and they said, okay you're out and you're not coming back home. So, uh, that was it. It was, it was try to figure it out. 
Um, and I, you know, there was so much stuff behind that stuff that over the years has, I've uncovered. Yeah. Um, and I, so I was just trying to figure it out. And by the time I was 21, I was working in bars and bartending and, uh, drinking every night. And I was waiting tables, bartending, bar backing. When I got off of work. It was straight to the bar yeah. that I worked at yeah. and just drinking all night long and whatever drugs came along. So you are a old-fashioned drunk. Yeah. Yeah. We, Hope to die alcoholic. You know, we were, we were talking before we got on the show that I love – I mean, I see all walks of life that come into Rebos on a weekly, daily basis. Yeah. And, you know, I got sober <clears> – in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have 10 years – and when awesome. I remember when I got sober, it was the pills were just were, were really were really hitting, like really getting gaining ground. Yeah. And yeah. nowadays it's like, you know, getting sober from cocaine is a sandwich and a nap. I mean, really, it's <laughs> what it is. You haven't slept in two years. You haven't had, you know, more than, you know, maybe a couple pizza slices in two years and you need a sandwich and a nap. Really. Yeah. Um, and then you walk out of it and you're fine. It's not even really a detox process. It's a it's a. It's a long weekend of just taking a nap and eating when you get up. Right. Um, right. And nowadays, and for you, there was definitely a detox. I mean, when you drink, I mean, it's yeah. it's one of the few detoxes that you can actually die from. That you can die from. Exactly. hundred percent. Exactly. You, heroin. Everybody thinks, wow, he's going to die from heroin. No, you might want to kill yourself from a heroin detox, but the chances of you dying from a heroin detox are slim to none. Very slim. Yeah. Um, and benzos. And vomiting, and it looks violent, but... I, it's the, but you're not going to die. Yeah, that's why they let guys in jail. They just let them kick yeah. um, and just figure it out yeah. um, and get to know your celly really well. They're going <laughs> to love you as you're puking all over the floor. Um, so when did you start drinking? How old were you? I mean, my, if this is already becoming a problem by the time you're 18, yeah. I really didn't start doing drugs until I was 17. Right. Um, 17 or maybe 18, right in that, right in that neck of the woods. Yeah. You obviously, I got drunk for the first time and it wasn't drunk. It was, I had a buzz going mm -hmm. when I was seven. Really? How'd that? And I was at a wedding, at Jeez. a family wedding. My aunt got married and it was a party and everybody was drinking. And they told the kids don't drink, but I was going from table to table and just finding the leftover glasses of wine and drinking it and just having fun and thinking this will be funny, you know? Um, and you know, just watching everybody else drink. And then when I was 10, you know, I, you know, I had a, I had a, uh, a relative that liked to drink. He was in his early twenties, late teens. And whenever he came to visit and I was 10 years old, when he came to visit, I got to drink with him. Wait, let me, uh... And it was supervised drinking, and my parents thought, oh, there's nothing, there's no big deal. And how old was this? I was 10. So, I mean, and there's no disrespect to your parents, because right. I've never met them before. Right. I'm just like, when I was seven years old, I had Transformers, you know, I was playing with my Transformers, and I ate a lot of M&Ms, and I drank a lot of Coca-Cola. Right. Like, I was a wired kid. Like, yeah. You know, just out of my mind. Yeah. What, I, I don't even... In, in, the idea of having a cocktail at seven, like, that wasn't even, like, in my, like... Yeah. It wasn't even, yeah. like, 
it was just like, I don't know, it was like kind of like driving a car. Like, it just, like, it never would even occur to me to do such a thing. Right. What, why, I, do be, I mean, so, and all so my brothers, had, all my brothers and sisters were 16 years older than I was, okay? So okay. they actually all got married when I was really young. Right. And so I was at those family weddings, but it never even, like, what, how does this come about for a seven-year-old to go around and want to, like, because I know there's people that are listening. We've got listeners all over the world. I get it's amazing what we. I've got a great following actually in Korea. Yeah. You know, it's oh, wow. yeah, it's really nuts. Um, and what what happens when you're seven? Well, I mean, when you look yeah. back at that, and you have you have kids now. How many kids do you have? I have. We only have one. You have one. And yeah. how old is he? He's four and a half. He's four and a half. <laughs> so what's going on? Like well, what's, I mean, we what, only have beer on the weekends at this point. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's only Charles and James. I'm starting <laughs> slowly. Yeah, just a little on his gums. It'll yeah, be yeah. fine. Just, just to get him to slow down I'm a little. So nervous all the time. It's so we just have to bring him down to yeah. a little bit. It's, it's like work. little shot glasses. I work in the industry. I can fix them. <laughs> It's fine. Right. It's only a problem when it becomes a problem. <laughs> only when it's a problem. <laughs> and so far, it's been great. <laughs> it's been working out really well. <laughs> no, well, we, we kid about this, but, you know. But it's happening everywhere. It actually is happening. I mean, maybe not as much now, you know, from the other discussion we were having having about the, the kids that are not even drinking now. They're just going straight to pills, but we'll get into that yeah, in a second. Yeah, but gateway medicine me, cabinets. Yeah, but for me, you know, I came from a different. It was a different time. You know, it yeah. was a it was a time in in my family's. So you know, in in treatment, we talk about family of origin stuff, and yeah. and my father's family and my mother's family were both very very close to, you know, so my father's family was very close with each other. My mother's family was very close with each other. They were Italian. They drank wine with dinner. Yeah. So as a kid, they would put wine in front of me when I was five years old. That That's, that's a, a part of dinner. No, that's a great point. I remember when I was going through school um, at UCLA to become a chemical dependency counselor. And that was one of the classes we took. It was a cultural class. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember when I got to college i had this guy who lived across the hall from me his name was fabrizio and fabrizio was turned out to be one of my dearest friends at college and he used to drink his dad was from italy from sicily um and his mom was from belgium but it it was that's just what he did and it wasn't like to me it was like what but there is a cultural like people say there is I, i don't know how to say this but it's like it's it's okay in in some ways, and I and yeah. it's like just because my family American values, you know, of you know the north suburbs of Chicago where I grew up, they just they frown upon that. But once you're 21, or even give or take 21, you can let it roll. But it's like you know, if you go over to Italy, if you go over to France, you know, it's it's more accepted. Younger, I mean, it's just what it is. And right. if they come over, you know, like your family, it's it's a little more loose. And yeah. And honestly, as as a as an owner of a treatment center, 
I don't know if that's bad. What is well, and here's the thing: it's bad in brain development because your brain's not like yeah. fully developed as an adolescent. But I don't know if it's you know there there are so many um, there are so many things out there uh, things I, I, want, I don't want to say studies, but I watch I watch kids that literally don't drink till they're 21 and they literally blow it out. Like they are, they will be totally sober until their 21st birthday and they become a living nightmare. Right. And then I've seen people that have started seven, 10, not drinking like, like a kid goes and grabs a Coca-Cola out of the fridge, but like kind of introduced to it, like kind of a respect, almost like a kid that grows, grows up in like a hunting family. Like these are yeah. firearms. Yeah. You know, this is, this is, this is and the loud end. For me, <laughs> I used to go and dad would say, go get me a beer. And at one point, he, I, I asked, can I open it? And I gave it to him after I opened it. And then I asked him, can I open it? Can I take a sip? And he would let me taste it. He said, you could taste it. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I didn't say is, yeah, they let us try the wine and stuff. I came from two completely different families. My, my dad's side of the family is about as straight as an arrow. Yeah, they... They'll drink and party and have fun like anybody else. But my mom's side of the family was straight up, you know, two of them are dead. Um, Three of them are alcoholics. My mom's a recovering alcoholic. And they were the Italian side that drank. Now, it doesn't mean that every family that drinks from uh, all the time is alcoholic um, and the cultural side of that. But it just so happened that that side of my family is ridden with alcoholism and mental health issues. Um, my mom is bipolar, you know. So growing up, I was actually a latchkey kid because my parents divorced when I was young. Mm-hmm. So that could have been part of why I was allowed to drink. Um, and I was I was a latchkey kid. My parents were 19 and 20 when I was born. Wow. So wow! If I had kids when I was nineteen and twenty, they probably wouldn't be alive right now. I would have sold or, them, right? I would have sold them, yeah, pawned them. Or maybe I do have kids. These kids can make that. I don't know, <laughs> and and I might actually have kids, and I don't even know it. Wait, you know, because I was out of control when I was nineteen and twenty. You know, so think of my parents at nineteen and twenty with this kid running around. I they I was I was made to grow up very very fast with a divorced family living with my father who was a working you know he became an executive in a large corporation um, so I spent a lot of time taking care of myself. So do you think you were raised by your family or do you think you were raised by wolves? And wolves I mean by society friends this society. Is, yeah, I was raised by me. Yeah. I had to learn how to take care of myself. I had to learn how to cope with things. Yeah. I had to learn how everything. And if I did something wrong, dad came in and disciplined yeah. and said, you don't do that. Yeah. And dad. There wasn't a coaching or a parenting or a fathering. It was just It like, was, this is the way to do it yeah. or don't do it. Yeah. Period. I, you know, and I love my mom and I love my dad right. and they're both past now. Um, but that was always one of my biggest things that drove me nuts. There was no discussion. It was, and my mom was there with me. My dad died when I was 10. Yeah. 10 or 11. 
Um, and my mom just died a year and a half. Recently, yeah. Yeah, my mom just died recently. And, but that was one of my old, my things. And, you know, my mom is my hero, but I always get mad at her. I'm like, yeah. will you please just not tell me yes or no? Like, the sex conversation was keep your pants on. That was it. <laughs> like, Wait, yeah. what? I mean, what does it mean? I've got questions, you know, and yeah. what I remember bringing up the drug thing. It's like, mom, you know, maybe I, you know, I remember bringing up smoking weed with my mom. Like, mom, I just, what do you think about this? Or what do you're not? Because I've heard you say that, you know, um, she would say to me once, you know, I remember your dad and I would, you know, we talk about, you know, this should just be legal. We don't have to do it. Right. Um, well, listen, I want to get back to this subject. We got to take a quick break. Um, but I love talking about this is such a big deal in our culture of just how people are raised and how people are not raised. Right. And I want to get into these uh, what kids are doing now with the gateway cabinets, not gateway drug, but gateway cabinets that I, I kind of coined that phrase for myself. Um, it's where kids are getting drugs out of their parents' um, medicine cabinets in their bathroom and they're throwing parties. Right. So I want to get your two cents on that. Um, everyone, thanks for joining us. Um, we're uh, here at the La Quinta Resort out in uh, La Quinta, California, um, and we are at the West Coast um, Symposium of Addiction Disorders, and we're to you live from here, and uh, we'll be right back. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Getting Sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients. And we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are. In the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. 
Now, back to the power to create yourself. Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. This is Ross Vermeen, and we again are coming to you from the West Coast Symposium on Addiction Disorders out here in La Quinta, California. This is arguably one of the largest um, drug and alcohol conferences in the country. Um, they have it every year, and um, I'm coming to you guys uh, from there. So I'm usually back in the studio in Los Angeles at the Rebuilds Treatment Center, but uh, today we're doing this from the hotel room, and I have a, a big fancy pants marketing guy, um, uh, Eric Johnston, with me right now. Dude, you're big and fancy. Um, <laughs> And we're talking about drugs, and we're talking about alcohol, and we're talking about our families and how we've grown up, um, the differences of what it is. Uh, no disrespect to your family, no disrespect to my family. When I was seven years old, I had a fishing pole in my hand, and I had a Coca-Cola and a Snickers bar. Um, you were going, at seven years old, we're going around tables and stealing people's booze. I mean, that's basically what you were doing, and you turned out, <laughs> you turned out to be one hell of an alcoholic, which I'm very thankful that you became an alcoholic because the bottom line is if you weren't an alcoholic and I wasn't a raging um, coke addict, uh, we would not be sitting next to each other yeah. looking at a weird jacuzzi um, outside my hotel room right now. <laughs> um, so, and sitting out in this 100-degree heat in La Quinta, California. Yeah. And by the way, everybody keeps going around, you know, we're out... In the we're literally like in miles. We're in the desert, and everybody's walking around here. You see all these um, ex and probably still former drug addicts walking around these conferences. Everybody's like, "It's so hot here," and everybody's like, "Well, at least it's dry heat. It's yeah. not that bad." <laughs> and I literally, do you said, feel that little breeze? Yeah, I'm like, I got like sweat going down my back. And I said to this woman last night, I'm like, "Dry heat." I just said to her, "I'm like, can you just not bring that up?" And she's like, "Why?" I'm like. Because if I turn my oven up to 115 right now and put your head in it, you're going to say it's hot. Okay? Yeah. Hot is hot. It's hot. And we're in the middle of the desert, and it's June, and it's hot. Yeah. I remember I came to this conference last year, and it was amazing. And I was having a great time. I was meeting a lot of great people, and I literally left. because It was, it was so hot. It was year. 115 degrees at 830 yeah. in the morning. It was yeah. just like, this is not cool. And I was golfing. Yeah, that's yeah, another that's reason not to. Other. That's another reason not to go. Um, so I want to talk to you about. I was telling you before we got onto the show that I get every week. We get a ton of intakes into Rebos, yeah. um, and it is in from time to time. I I go is if I get nothing to do, I go to the intake office and I just go shake people's hands. Like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Welcome here. I'm Ross. I'm the owner. You know, small talk. And I'll ask them, what's your drug of choice? When did you start? And it is mind-blowing to me that drugs, and I say this all, and I say this a lot on this show, but, you know, back when I started doing drugs, and this was in like the early 90s when I was in high school um, out in the north suburbs of Chicago, you know, it was smoking weed. And people would steal, yeah. um, people that couldn't go to the liquor store in, you know, with a fake ID, um, were just, you know, steal some booze from their parents' house. No yeah. big deal. Now these kids, um, I was telling you the story about these two brothers that came into our treatment center and the younger brother I was talking to him and his first drug that he ever did was out of his mom's uh, medicine cabinet, taking Xanax. I yeah. think it was Xanax, he said. Right. And I was like, what do you mean? So like, you know smoked weed first he goes no i never did i just went right to the pills and i am hearing this over and over and over again it's the doctors that are prescribing pills nowadays you know we have a lot of issues in our industry from well, pills fix everything well you know what right right 
you know, I mean, it's like, you know, we grow up with, you got a headache, you know, you take an Advil and it's not like you got, maybe you're dehydrated. Like your body will get a headache if you don't have water. Um, There's, or maybe your headache because you're just not eating enough. Like there's a lot of things, but we have become, I swear to God, ever since the microwave oven came out, (laughs) like the quick fix. Everything uh, is a quick fix. It's a quick fix where I think back in the day, Drugs were more of like, let's listen to music, you know, let's like, you know, heroin got really big, you know, in the African-American like kind of jazz scene, that's where that started. And then that, you know, from the Ray Charles's and all that kind of stuff back back in those days. And that was kind of more like, it was kind of like rock and roll, but just kind of artsy. I don't know how to, what. It was a little more underground kind of thing. And nowadays it's like. With and I can't stress this enough. I mean, I get parents calling me up all the time. They're like, oh, "We'd like to, you know, do an intake, you know, come in and whatever." What do you think about this? And it's like, "How long has your kid been on drugs?" And they're like, "Well, he just started drinking two years ago." I'm like, "Well, does he take any pills?" Oh yeah, they've been on Adderall since they've been eleven. Yeah, eleven. Adderall. Oh, and people I know that are listening, are like, "Well, what's wrong with Adderall?" I'm like, both my kids are on it. It's synthetic. It's synthetic cocaine. Is really what it is. Yeah. Um. And you're giving it to your kid when they're 11 years old. But it's doctor prescribed. 100. percent It's right? doctor prescribed by our family doctor that we have known forever, and he's delivered or she has delivered all of our kids. And understands that there is some sort of cognitive issue happening with your child. And if you're not catching our sarcasm right now, you probably should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. And I'm not trying to talk. And we're, I don't think, I don't think of us either mean disrespect to family members because right. they don't know. They don't. That's what I'm saying. They're doing what their doctor told them to do. Yeah. You know what? And because my, that's what they're supposed to trust my, is the doctor. And doctors. I remember when I went through my school, my, my chemical dependency school at UCLA, we had two doctors in our class. MDs, doctors. Yeah. And they came in there. They're like, they don't teach, they teach us about drugs, like medications in med school. But it's basically like a page of a book opens up and they have, they have the, the symptoms on one side. And then the other page, they have all these medication. It's almost like they have a line. Fix it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You have this problem. This goes to here. You have yes. back problems. You go to here. Yes. You know, and I think there are so many parents out there that are like, your kid is, you know, your kid is fast. Okay. He talks fast. He's, he's fast and he's 11 or 12 and they call that ADD and they call that, or he's just, he's a little hyper. Okay. Yeah, hyperactivity. He's, he's hyperactivity. So we're going to give him this Adderall. Ritalin, and just Adderall. My right. question though is, is why don't they give the slow kids on the playground? fast medication <laughs> to make them faster why they keep trying to slow down the, the fast kid because i'll tell you right now it would be a better world because my iphone was created by a fast person my treatment center was created by a fast person the best advice i ever got was why don't you learn how to drive yourself and you know what that takes patience and especially for parents yeah you get you get kids like my niece my youngest niece Crazy dyslexia, crazy, but like wickedly smart. And I'm not just saying that because she's my niece and I right. love her to pieces, no. but like crazy smart. She just couldn't read a damn thing. Right. And she would like, la- if she was here, she'd be laughing with me at the whole thing. But once she learned how to drive herself and read with her dyslexia, she reads books with my, with my wife, like boom, 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 boom. They are just busting through it. 
people aren't teaching anybody how to do this. Teaching. And that's the point right there is education. What we have done is we have trusted our lives, our children's lives, and our family members' lives to the professionals, the quote-unquote professionals, the doctors, who when they go through medical school, they spend how many years in medical school? Six years, eight years, ten years in medical school, and they get eight hours of education on addictions. That's all they get. So they don't necessarily know what they're doing to these families, to the to their patients. Yeah. They just know that, look, if this is the symptomology, here's the solution. Yeah. With no research into the pharmacology of the pills that they're sending. You know the other the other kicker to that thing is so basically moms, dads, loved ones out there, you know, you got to really think twice about this because you're opening up a can of worms that you will not be able to put in there. You're going to give your kids um, false confidence. Yeah. Like they're always going to think getting a kid off uh, off Ritalin or Adderall is now granted, we should probably put a little Barry Bonds asterisk up there yeah. for this whole yeah. thing. There is a small percentage of the population that needs these. It actually does work. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just a Band-Aid. They literally right. need it. Yes. But I think there has to be a, you know, parents, just really before you do it, like this is a company can of worms because I've got 23-year-olds, 26-year-olds that come into our program and getting them off this stuff, it's like it talking about like taking away, it's like taking away their cape. Like they don't think they'll be able to fly without it. Right. And you know what? They won't be for a little bit because they're going to have to retrain themselves. I mean, it's like, it's like a weightlifter with working with steroids or like an athlete. They have to have this performance enhancing drug and they get, they, they put so much confidence in the drug as opposed to putting the confidence in themselves. themselves. And I think with you as a four year old, now I don't have any children, but it's like, I mean, I think you're probably well ahead of where your parents were. And gr- raising I'm a child. Also twice, I was twice as old as they were when I had him. Without a doubt. But, but at the end of the day, thankfully you have all your fingers and toes. It yes, looks like, yes. you know, they didn't do too bad of a job. You're still here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I think it's going to help you. I mean, what are you going to do with your kid when he's, when he, I mean, when he's young now, but right. what kind of, are you going to tell your kid not to drink? How does an alcoholic? Yeah, how does an alcoholic such an interesting? My wife asks me all the time. Yeah, she's like, if we have a kid, are you gonna tell them not to drink, or can they drink before they're twenty-one years old? So what I'm gonna can they drink at our house? And I'm like, whoa, 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 we got a dog that's still pissing on the carpet. Can we just do one thing at a time? Right, right. (laughs) What are you gonna do? I want. I will do. Is your wife everything I can to? Yes. Okay. I will do everything I can to educate him on what alcohol is, what it does, what the laws are, what society says. Um, I still don't know if I will, you know, will be very uh, cautious in how I tell him about my experience. What do you mean cautious about yours? Because I don't think he needs to know everything that I did when I was drinking. Can he know? And doing drugs. And I don't know how much. But he can know why you don't do it anymore. Without going into, I mean, yeah, I don't. Yeah, have, I mean, I was I, a crazy. No, I will, at, but I don't tell my wife. For me, I'm open to telling him. I'm open to that. Other people that are in recovery don't tell their kids. 
I don't know if that's right or wrong. I do, yeah, I don't know if there is an answer to that. For me, I feel like, you know, I will be open with him because that's just how we are as a family. We talk about everything. We talk about feelings. We talk about when something makes us sad, when something makes us happy. We, that's just how I have decided I want to bring my child up. Yeah. Um, but when the time comes where, you know, he's in high school and there, or maybe even junior high, I don't know. And there are kids that are doing pills most likely. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to have to have some serious talks with him and it's like a birds and bees talk. Yeah. At a young age, you know, and that's going to be around younger. right around the corner. And what's interesting is you were talking about this. I started to think about this, that, that, yeah, we've got these medicine cabinet kids that are breaking into the medicine cabinets now. Instead of going to the liquor cabinet, they're going to the medicine cabinet. Yeah. And when we were kids, that wasn't really happening. They, it, that wasn't even an option. Whereas now, that generation of people that were drinking, our generation, you know, and maybe a little, the baby boomers, you know, the older generation that has teenage kids now, they are experiencing so many different issues. And with all of the answers being, you know, there's a pill for that. Not yeah. there's an app for that, but there's a pill for that now. With all the answers being in the pills and the pharmaceutical companies feeding that, these baby boomers and these uh, people our age, 30s and 40s, that are having kids, they're, not e- they're probably not even thinking about the med- medicine cabinet. But that's, it's loaded up with pain pills and solutions to our problems. And the kids are, are, are now being driven directly to that without the parents actually having that education. And to me, it's all coming back to education. It's educating families, whether you're addicts or not. We all have to talk about this. I think it's, yeah, without a doubt, I think it's an education, just like you would educate your your boy or your girl in sports, on dating, on school, on math, on whatever it is. Anything. And they're going to just, you know what? They're going to have to make their own decision, and you're going to have to bite your lip. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you know what? You only have so much control. What's your son's name? Cole. Cole. So Cole is going to be 13, 14, 16, whatever. And it's like, Cole, I love you, buddy. Five, five of them as he goes out on a Friday night. And you know what? And pray that. And then if he he does come back. (laughs) Yeah, he comes home. And then if he does come home, hopefully he's not had a cocktail or 10 or, you know, and if he has. Like you, and if he has, pray I pray that I would you have like, a, like a reasonable mind frame and not send him off to Tibet to go live with monks. Right. Because that would right. be my idea for my kid. I'm so scared to ever have a child that I was just like, I don't want him to be who I was. Granted, me being who I was turned out to be an amazing story in an amazing time, and I don't have any regrets about my life. Yeah. But you know, there's there's been more nights where it's like, could have done without that. You know, I had some nights where even the devil was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> when the devil's like raising his eyebrows, like, yeah. Um, hey, listen, we got to take another quick break. Um, I want to get into kind of where you see our industry and where it's going, what we can do as a whole, as a family um, to get this better. 
Um, everyone, thanks for joining us. If you want more information about um, about the Rebos program, you can go to rebostreatment.com. We have a ton of information from eBooks on today. We just had a new one about um, getting sober and going through a divorce. Um, we have blog posts. We have a ton of extremely credible information that we put out almost on a daily, weekly, ba- uh, daily and weekly basis. Um, that it's good for anybody just to look at. It's all free information on our website. You can find us, our past radio shows and our past guests on there and on Apple iTunes as well as voiceamerica.com. And we will be right back. Thank you. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients. And we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit RebosTreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to the power to create yourself. Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. Um, this is Ross Ramin, and this is the power to create you, um, yourself. Power to create yourself. I don't even know the name of my show anymore. Um, by the way, this is our last show for this series. Um, I'm going to go on a few-week hiatus. Um, we, I've got a lot going on for me this summer. I've got a new book coming out. 
um, possibly a TV show that I'm working on right now, um, a ton of really, really neat stuff. So um, I'm going to take a little bit of time off this summer. We're going to have replay of some of our um, some of our best shows. Um, and as always, please uh, continue to reach out to me via email or on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is just Ross Ramin. Um, and my email is Ross at Rebos, R-E-B-O-S, T is in Tom, X is in X-ray.com. And happy to answer any questions, anytime, day or night. Um, just want people to have um, their questions answered. Going on the internet nowadays is a nightmare. Um, I'm, it is, to me, there is no good information. Usually the good information is the first four, three pages, really. I'm finding the better information in the back because you don't have to pay for that information. And everybody's just throwing crappy information in the first couple pages and it's it's a bidding war especially Bingo. in our industry Bingo. and it's like you've got to go <laughs> in a few pages and so um and that's just what it is and i get a lot of people i uh, half of my job is is i literally guide people to where they need to go in this industry it's like forget about my, my treatment program it's like you've got a person it's like they don't even know where to go people parents are calling me up and they're a nervous wreck Yep. They're scared to death, and they're like, my kid is girlfriend sleeping in the house. She's got these weird marks going up her arms, which is from a needle, and um, and she is with my son, and you know, money's missing, and blah, blah, blah. They don't know where to send their kid. All of these programs basically have the same website, yeah. whether it's a county-run facility or it's a uh, in, in Malibu on a bluff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. They all have quote unquote individual counseling and they're all um, group. They've got groups and we have a, some sort of a detox. We have all this staff and blah, blah, blah. And evidence-based treatments. Evidence-based treatment. And it's like, you look at them, you just don't know. Right. Um, and it's very, it's, it's not like, you know, looking at a Toyota as opposed to a Ferrari. You can go on their website and really see a difference. Right. It's it's very obvious on um, right. what it is. You can look at horsepowers. You could just look at the picture of they're very different cars. Yes. You know, you can yes. you can there are specifications that, yeah, it's, our, that describe each car it's, differently. You know, the only thing the majority of treatment centers out there you can pretty much bet on are identical. Whether it's a hundred thousand dollars a month or it's a hundred dollars a month, yep. there now there are uh, very specific places. There's the place that's in Ocala, Florida. That um, the what's it called? The refuge. That's very trauma based. You know, it's yes. like it's almost like an ICU unit. You know, it's very specific. This is what they do. Right. Um, kind of like where the Cleveland Clinic and like the Mayo the Mayo Clinic Mayo are Clinic. very like the best of the best right. for X Y Z. Yeah, uh, you know whether it's cancer or exactly. Right. We have very few. I could probably count them on both, like on one hand ish. Right. Um, and the one thing that we have got going in, like, kind of in before we went to commercial, we were talking about drugs. You know, the prescription pills. You know what's going on in our industry right now is I am watching this on a daily basis. I try to give these are my clients as much. As I possibly can. And we are trying to go in network right now. 
and with insurance companies. Mm-hmm. And this whole Obamacare thing is really blown up in our faces. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are finding, and I'm not going to name them because I don't need them knocking on my door, but we're trying to go in with a very large um, insurance company right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's huge. It's the, it's arguably the biggest. And they, they a few years ago, we tried to get in with them and they were going to be offering, you know, like $500 a day to be an in-network provider for them. Right. And now they're offering $82 a day. Right. I can't even, like, do you know how much it costs to live in Los Angeles? Right. Do you know, like, how much it costs to Not even living, but running a business. Just running a business. (laughs) Like, I have to keep lights on. I have rent. And I'm supposed to treat somebody for a life-threatening disease that kills over 300 people per day. That's a very conservative number. Granted, it all depends on who's paying for it and what you consider a, a drug overdose because a lot of people are dying from opiates, but they call it, they, they have um, pneumonia. Um, it's a lot of weird stuff going on, but we are being asked right now to treat people in this industry with no insurance money. So we got to get cash out of these families. These yep. families are blown away by what it actually to put somebody through detox, literally how much it costs to be hand and foot on your son as he's puking, as he is defecating all over himself, as yep. he's sweating and shaking, you know, it takes a few days and it takes 24 hour nursing care to make sure that they are as comfortable as they can be. On the flip side of it is, so insurance companies are nailing me this way. Yeah. Okay. Nailing us, our industry. You're, you're obviously working this industry. You get it. The other flip side of this thing is. I met with my my billing company two weeks ago, and they're like, "We really need to start documenting, you know, the these the prescription drugs that that these that your patients, Ross, are being prescribed because insurance companies love the prescription drugs. They love them because it is a cheaper way over the long run to f- kind of quote unquote fix their clients. I mean, that's what they do." We can. It's going to cost them X amount of dollars a month to keep this person stable, as opposed to putting through treatment for the correct amount of time. It's right. kind of mind blowing, and the box that they're making this play. I got to. They're going to tell me I got to pay like eighty dollars a day per person. You know, when it's like I'll tell you right now, it's you can't do treatment for that cost. You have to add on to it. But, um, and this whole industry is just being destroyed. I mean, how do we? We have a 95% failure rate. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's a 95% failure rate. That's probably being generous. Right. People are dying left and right. I average three phone calls a week of three people that die a week. And, you know, I come to this conference and I don't see anything different than when treatment really started catching wind, which was probably in the 50s. Give or right. take when the when the big when the Betty Fords well that wasn't until the seventies but like the Hazeldens you know what you know yeah. and you look at like Cumberland Heights in Tennessee which was started in the mid sixties sixty six or sixty three not a lot has happened for the amount of deaths this hits every family I mean I know families that don't have cancer in their family which is a really like wild thing to say because cancer's everywhere but alcoholism drug addiction. It's in every single family. And why hasn't anything changed to go to to another well, level? It's almost- and when somebody goes, I'm sorry to cut you off. And when somebody tries 
to come up with a new way to get sober. Like there's, you know, some big places, I'll, I'll keep them unnamed, but like they're, you know, big yeah. treatment centers that are not on AA based. Right. They don't believe that it's a disease. And they are literally just like, they're just trying to come up with another way to treat somebody because they're sick and tired of people dying. Yeah. And people get in our industry get so crazy about it they're like no there's only one way to do it and we deal with our 95 percent failure rate that's yeah. basically what it is yeah i i, a, I do a, a lecture this was the first conference in two years that i haven't done a talk yet and i do a powerpoint in my first my first slide is this, this is not a disease and everybody comes in and they're like they get all mad and i believe that this is a disease but i put that up there because because i don't think we're treating it like it's a disease like there's not a medical model approaching it i do not have it's, a doctorate i am not an md right and i have a better success rating and does the medical model work anyways what well, is the medical model it's pharmaceutical companies paying the insurance company it's the whole system is broken first of all treatment is broken treatment is is really if you think about it it's triage it's trying to it's just, a mash unit it's trying to stabilize somebody who has completely destroyed their lives and get them to see that there's a window of opportunity for living and for living a life without drugs or alcohol or whatever and that's all treatment is because you can't treat somebody for two to three years, you know, and the studies show that somebody who can maintain one year of sobriety has a 150% chance more than, than somebody who can't stay sober for a year mm -hmm. or has a, has a 500% chance of staying sober for five years, you know? So the longer you can keep somebody sober, the better, better, chances they have of living a, a sober lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. But we can't afford to keep somebody in the house for a year to give them that opportunity. We can only keep them in the house for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. At your program, you can keep them maybe for six months if the insurance will pay for it or if the family has the resources. But not at a level of care. They're like, but not it. Yeah, you have to titrate them down. You I'm have a, to keep them. I'm in an out. I'm an outpatient. Okay. Next in two weeks, I'm going to have. We're actually going to have a full medical detox. That's right. going. It's going right. to be incredible, and I'm very, very proud of it. And I'm, it's been very difficult, and I'm very pumped about it. But what's happening is, is I get people. I get clients, young men, young women, older adults. I've got a lot of older adults right now, over 50 years old. A lot of them right now, right. Um, and. They, they I, I'm an outpatient. I should not be doing the type of treatment that I'm doing in an outpatient. Right. Because, and, but the reason why I'm doing it is because it's literally the cards that are being dealt to me. This person has just been in the medicated, medicated drugs that this person has been on indoor put on to get off of the drugs that they were on. Mm -hmm. If you're following right. that they're detoxed. So they went through seven days of detox. And then they had two to three weeks of quote unquote inpatient care, which they're still detoxing through because the insurance because the other drugs. Yeah. And the insurance company's like, we're only giving you we're seven only days giving you this. or yeah. we're only giving you three days. Right. And then they got to go down to a level of care. You know, now they're getting less treatment. So I am like, 
So inpatient has been turned into a detox program, basically. Right. And now I am getting clients in an outpatient that I have to treat as as inpatient. Right. Where you have to start educating that. When they get to outpatient, they should be finding a job. They should be getting their family situation really dialed in. We shouldn't be just starting family education and family counseling. Right. We should be catching it like in the middle of it or towards the tail end, kind of. We should basically putting be putting the bow on the on the on the gift, right. you know, right. to to present to society again. Yeah. But I am being the cards that I'm being dealt right now, and it's like insane. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. That it's where do we? So so the only thing we can really do right now, until there's a an actual solution to all this, which I think is going to take some time, especially with the way insurance is structured and with the changes that are happening with the insurance and with the unknown of insurance, we have to start to create, this is where kind of my my focus with the branding, with my company, Brand Awakening, where we have come to the point where treatment centers, you said it, all these treatment centers sound the same. Families are going to websites. They're looking at how do I get my kid off of drugs so he's not throwing up on himself? How do, where do I get help? I don't know what to do. That's where the marketing and the branding of what you do, we're trying to help treatment centers try to discover who they are. So that when they start helping people, they know what their focus is. They know what their mission is. They know what their vision is. And that's the problem. Like you have been around for a while. You know what your, what your vision is and what you're trying to do. Yeah. And that's changing and it's evolving over time. It always does. As anything does. Of course. But all of these treatment centers, the treatment center industry is exploding, right? Yeah. But nobody knows who they are or what they're doing. And that's why my kind of vision, my goal, my mission in life now in this industry is to help these treatment centers learn how to discover who they are so that when they get their clients, they have a focus on how they're going to help people. Yeah. They have a vision. They have a brand awakening. Like their brand is who they are. This is what we do. And I think the more we can do that, the more this stuff will start to filter out and we'll start to be able to figure out how we can really start to help people. I think it's honestly, I think it's, um, I think it's, I think it's a start. You know, it's the system is so busted right now. Yeah. And so many people are dying and we have so many things that are kind of working against what we need to be doing here. It's um it's really spooky and it's um I know your heart of I mean I've known you for the last five years. You've always been so nice to me and so just generous and you're twenty two years sober. I don't even know what that is. I, I don't even know what twenty two years is. I mean, it's unbelievable. But it's the same as ten years. Yeah. Just 12 years longer. Well, listen, you know, <laughs> yeah. I really, really appreciate you being on the show today. Um, it's been a lot to me. Um, Thank and you for yeah, having me. You got it, man. Um, everyone, you can catch this show replaying on iTunes. Um, you can go to the Rebos website. 
website at rebostreatment.com and of course voiceamerica.com. I'll be back at the end of the summer uh, with all new shows, all new guests, and um, a new book coming out. And um, please reach out to me on Twitter at Ross Ramin and also at uh, Ross at rebostx.com for my email. Happy to answer any questions. I really appreciate everybody tuning in each and every week, and we'll chat with you real soon. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition with Ross Ramin on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.